KPFK, listener-sponsored radio for all of Southern California, at 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 93.7 San Diego, and 99.5 Ridgecrest and China Lake, and streaming live at kpfk.org. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I could break all the chains holding me. I wish I could say all the things that I should say. Say I'm loud, say I'm clear for the whole round world to hear. I wish I could share all the love. Thank you, Nina. Good morning, everybody. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. Wake up and smell the revolution and the coffee, which I have with me. Um, very important show today. Uh, it's a story of two people facing genocide at the same time with long histories. We're going to, in about two or three minutes, talk to Michelle. Shahada, who's a very impressive, long-time fighter. I'll tell you about his bio in a minute. Uh, but he's going to be talking about, of course, the Palestinian resistance and his, the Israeli occupation. Then at 8.30, we're going to talk to uh, Cheyenne Antonio, who's uh, doing great work among indigenous people, also facing an ongoing genocide uh, committee to defend Native American women, and she's also doing some great work in um, stopping fracking on the Navajo land. Uh, I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes. Michelle, are you on the phone? Yes, I am. Good morning, and it was a great conversation last night. Thank you. Um, I just want to start with a couple of things. Um, y- you know, folks, we the strategy sent us one of the few groups that calls the United States a white imperialist settler state, and the question of settler state colonialism, which is going to be the subject of all virtually every day, is um, ongoing and horrific, run by the United States and, and Europe. So, and because a lot of our work is Afrocentric and focusing on the black community, among all the oppressed communities, we see the, the true genocide happening to black people in L.A. right now. So it's not an abstract question. Um, second thing I wanted to say, just for a minute, is that uh, I really need more letters from listeners um, because that's what makes us, you know, know you're out there and that you give a damn. So I want to read something quick. Uh, this is, hello, Mr. Mann. Given the usual subject matter of voices from the front lines, that is to say, the black liberation movement in third world, I was surprised to hear you read about, aloud this past Tuesday on air, from Craig Child's book, Atlas of the Lost World. Yeah, I know, you surprise people. Anyway, I, that's a lot about the indigenous crossing, uh, which I'm very, very interested in, and 14,000 years of indigenous life that were wiped out in 100 years by the European barbarians. He says, if you haven't yet read the book in its entirety, which I haven't, this is a specific passage I think you'll find interesting. 
Read the bottom full paragraph on page 143 and up to the top of the following page. Charles writes about traveling with some companions, searching for fossils in northern Florida, where they encounter an interesting bit of black American geography history. You never know what it is you'll be encounter reading. Best, Bruce Piscatello from Palms. Bruce, thank you. And I haven't finished the book yet, but I'm going to get to page 143. Okay, hold on. Good morning, Channing Martinez. Good morning. Nice to see you. Um, so we're about to talk to uh, Michelle Shahada. I want to read his bio. Uh, Michelle is one of the, of the Los Angeles eight case, the civil rights case of the 1980s. Uh, seven Palestinians and one Kenyan women, woman were arrested and accused of supporting terrorism for their pro-Palestinian activism. Notice if you support Palestinian activism, it's considered terrorism. We were targeted for deportation and were incarcerated for three weeks in maximum security cells. The case took 20 years, and finally we won it in court. It were vindicated because the government could not present a shred of evidence of any wrongdoing on our part, which didn't mean they couldn't keep the case over your head for 20 years. I'm a Palestinian-American, graduated from Cal State Long Beach with a BA in journalism and a master in public education. Currently, I'm the general coordinator of the Free Democratic Palestinian Movement. Michelle, thank you so much for being on Voices from the Frontlines. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, because you and I did have a conversation about last night, about, you know, you're seeing now uh, Hamas militants uh, killing a lot of people, 700 people. And, of course, every one of those lives is given great um, significance by the European U.S. press. Uh, there's now a story that, of course, um, Israel has begun to attack Gaza, uh, killed 100 children just the other day. And uh, just one more thing, that Ilhan Hamad... Uh, uh, and uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, have been taking a lot of heat because they have actually stood up for the Palestinians. Uh, Congresswoman uh, said that the United States should not give any aid to Israel and uh, should finally enter into a diplomatic solution, whereas Netanyahu said, I'm finally declare a full war on the Palestinian people. Rashida Tlaib put out a, uh, just took the Palestinian flag out. You can't imagine the courage. These are two members of Congress, but the courage that it takes in the middle of a hysteria to just defend the human rights of the Palestinians. And since, Michelle, you've done this your whole life, how are you understanding the present situation? And how would you address people who raise concerns about what Hamas is doing now? Well, uh, the idea of of what Hamas is doing is also the, 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 the wrong term because it is not just Hamas. It is the Palestinian people who are resisting uh, years and decades of oppression by um, a colonial settler uh, system that has been imposed on the Palestinian people brutally and, and a military occupation uh, and a system that 
looks like apartheid even worse than the system uh, that has uh, been in in South Africa. So uh, the all the the Palestinian factions are involved uh, right now in this struggle against the policies of the brutal military occupation. Gaza has been sieged for for more than 20 years, completely isolated. Uh, Israel controls the water, the electricity, the food, the medicine, and Gaza, which is about the Gaza uh, Strip, which is about 140 square miles, is besieged completely um, from the the land, from the sea, from the air. Even the oxygen is controlled by by uh, by Israel that goes into into Gaza. And the American media, who um, portrays the situation upside down, they portray the Palestinians who are the victims as being the aggressors. They portray Israel, who are the victimizers, who are the occupiers, uh, the, occupier, uh, the occupiers, as being the victims. So the American people have been misinformed and disinformed about the reality in the in the in the ground. The Palestinians are not the people who started the the, the latest events as as uh, they have been portrayed. In the, in the mainstream media in the United States. They are defending themselves about the violence that has been brought to them by, by Israel. Well, let me uh, say this. Um, thank, I'm going to keep it, let you talking. Thank you, but seriously, for correcting me like I fall into saying it's Hamas when, as you say, it's the Palestinian people's resistance. I just want you to know I'm listening. So um, keep going. And, and, that, and that is the situation, because what happens, the, the United States government, supported by a mainstream media, uh, what they do is the, they dehumanize the, the, the other, the, the enemy, the Palestinian people in this case. They bring buzzwords like uh, Hamas, and then they work on negatively portraying this organization as being barbarians, as being terrorists, and they keep beating on it. So it becomes a buzzword when you say Hamas. You don't have to have a, to give a background. You don't have to put a context for the conflict. Right. All you do is say Hamas, and then the people automatically think a bunch of, of uh, terrorists, bloodthirsty, who wants to kill Israelis who wants to kill innocent people, and then you don't need to um, to give information, to give a background, to give a context about the conflict, about events. And what happens is the Palestinian, uh, the American people are being brainwashed to support policies, uh, you know, wrong policies, uh, to support a system, to support an occupation with money, military. Uh, weapons. Israel is considered the sixth best army in the world. It's, just, it's, it's a nuclear uh, army. And the Palestinians, most of their weapons 
are being, you know, uh, either, either uh, you know, they created, they invented, they do it uh, by hand, or really light weapons. Right. But the situation uh, now has changed because the picture that comes with colonialism, that comes with imperialism of, uh, you know, portraying the, the victim in, in, in a way as, as being dehumanized completely. Now they see a Palestinian who is dignified, who can defeat this invincible army with, with modest means and win. And, and that's breaking this negative stereotyping of the Palestinians and uh, the true resistor, the true resistance, the true um, uh, emotions that comes with resistance, uh, resisting an occupation comes through w- what's happening right now. And the images that comes from Palestine is happening for the first time in history that the Palestinian fighters are winning against a formidable army. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Palestinians, uh, the Palestinian fighter has been able to break into the most fortified military bases in the world uh, that besieged Gaza, and they broke the siege, they broke the barriers, and went out into freedom. We as Palestinians have been dreaming of one minute of liberation. One minute of liberation. And I'm happy to, to report to you, we've been living four days of true liberation right now. And it feels, you know, as if a dream comes true. I know those fighters are the sons and daughters of refugees who have been ethnically cleansed from Palestine in, in 1948, and they went to Gaza. Those refugees... Um, have been living there for generations, and the, and, and the sons and daughters of those refugees who are fighting today, carrying the dream of their parents, carrying the dream that one day Palestine will be free, that they will have that dawn of freedom coming to them, and, and all Palestinians throughout the world are seeing that possibility happening now. So uh, Michelle, are not the aggressors. We, we totally, they are the victims, and they are defending themselves. Well, you're great, and, you know, as much as I've worked for the Palestinian cause, you are so much more advanced than what you said about four days of liberation. You know, people tried to just bring humanitarian aid to Gaza, and they were murdered by the Israeli uh Navy, and nobody cared. Jenny just wants to read a quick quote from Walter Rodney, and then I'm going to go right back to you, Michelle, okay? Sure. Uh, I I think the quote really puts a poignant on what you're saying. But before I do that, um, again, there's always – you're not going to hear this on any other radio station. You're going to hear it only on KPFK. And even when you Google right now, Google is part of the problem, right? You can Google Palestine and you're only going to hear the dominant narrative. And so it means that KPFK must survive. And so you need to call 818-985-5735 to give to KPFK to make sure. And here's the quote, um, and it comes from Kamal Franklin. And he posted a quote from Walter Rodney that is totally on par with what you're saying and give, uh, and 
puts a you know cherry on top of the cake, and it's uh, we were told that the violence in itself is evil, and that whatever the cause is, whatever the cause, it is unjustified morally. By what standards of morality can violence be used by a slave to break his chains? Be considered the same as the violence of the slave master. That's again by Thanks. Walter Rodney. So back to you, Michelle. Um, tell me two things. I just wanted to say one is, and back to you. Is sadly, I don't think it's simply a media manipulation. I mean, sixty-two percent of white people voted for Donald Trump. I think you know, in the white settler state, there is a hatred of blacks. There's a hatred of third world people. So it's not like we have this democratic country manipulated by the media, but you're doing a phenomenal job. So speak on and tell us maybe three other myths, anti-Palestinian myths that you want to destroy on this show. And one more thing, 818-985-5735. We've been given the privilege, uh, you know, and Michael Novick and others have said, Keep, you know, in the middle of all this genocide, you don't have to do a fun drive show, but it is a fun drive. So 818-985-5735, so you can hear the voice of Michelle Shahada, who is teaching me a lot of stuff. Uh, so please contribute so we don't have to have these long, uh, you know, appeals. You get it. You, as, as Channing said, if you Google Palestine, you know what you're going to get. So, Michelle, very happy to have a, you on the show. Tell, tell us a couple of myths of the Israeli-U.S. propaganda machine that you want our listeners to uh, understand our lies. Well, you know, the first and obvious myth that, you know, the people, your listeners and the people in the United States need to know is that the Palestinian people have been fighting violence and occupation and a system of separation worse than apartheid for, for decades. Uh, they've been fighting the Zionist movement supported by imperialism uh, in the West for more than 100 years. Mm -hmm. And those events in Gaza, for example, that have been happening for the, uh, since last week are not isolated events that that they can be reported as if it happened only uh, last week. Those are not events without a context that had a history of violence perpetrated against the Palestinian people by a colonial settler state uh, with a racist system for, you know, since the Zionist movement came to Palestine, and at least since 1948, right. when Palestine was occupied, and since 1967, when the rest of Palestine was, was uh, occupied. So the first myth is Palestine was not a land without a people, given to a people without a land, as has been uh, portrayed and has been told by the Zionist movement and by the media in and, and, and the West. The Palestinian people are fighting for self-defense. They are fighting against militias of settlers who attack their villages on daily basis, take their land, 
build settlements, jail them in prisons. There is more than 7,000 people in Israeli prisons right now, many of them under 18 years of old. And the, the settlers have been attacking the Palestinian holy shrines and, and holy sites, uh, like like Al-Aqsa Mosque, like like uh, the the Church of Sepulchre um, in in Jerusalem, and dehumanizing um, the, the the Palestinian people. So they need to know. Americans need to know that the Palestinians are the victims. They are not the victimizers. They are fighting. Uh, for their homes, for their kids, for their for for their uh, people, and if you watch how Gaza uh, is being bombarded by Israel, right? That's now, right. Is, Israel is threatening whole residential towers, homes, with, with flattening them, bombing, and flattening them on top of the people uh, residing in them. Uh, whole families are being destroyed and killed. You know, just in one bomb. So, if that is not really, this is not Israel, quote unquote, defending itself. This is Israel destroying a whole people. This is Israel trying to ethnically cleanse the rest of the Palestinian people from Palestine. It's a settler colonial state that. Every settler in the West Bank is armed, is a militia, and is attacking Palestinians on on daily basis. Michelle, so, uh, it's great. I just want to. We got about five more minutes, and we could have used, you know, five more hours. Uh, two things. <laughs> I, I I mean it. Your 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 passion, your knowledge about the situation, is phenomenal. Just one point I wanted to say, and then, you know, that there's a. Uh, in one of the films about, um, you know, about the Israeli occupation is during World War II, there were a lot of Jews who were involved in the resistance against uh, fascism, whereas other Jews left to start colonizing uh, the Palestinian people and did not fight against fascism. So, you know, the, the, the colonization was beginning is always the nineteen hundred. Um eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. What can we do? I mean this is a show about it's hard, but what would you suggest our listeners do to help the people of Palestine right now? Well the the, the American people should uh, stop believing the mainstream media first. Now there is Sources and resources available on the internet. Uh, there is there is worldwide um, places where people can go and search for the truth. So that's the first thing. And where can they go? Can, do you have any suggestions on where on this internet? There is there is a lot of uh, <coughs> now Arab Arab uh, TV stations and YouTube's. Uh, in English, okay. that they can seek, but also they, they can use the translation that you know are available on the internet, where even Arabic uh, broadcasters 
can be translated immediately to English. So they should listen to the people themselves. They should listen to the Palestinians. They should see how the Palestinians live. They should watch what the Palestinians broadcast and and see alternative uh, views, uh, see the indigenous voices, listen to the indigenous voices than only being brainwashed by by the mainstream media. And unfortunately, I can tell you, also voices who claim to be progressive, who claim to be leftist, they also fall into the, the narrative that is being put, perpetuated by the Zionists and by the mainstream media, that they are progressive on all issues except on Palestine. Michelle, that's... And, and that's unfortunate. Um, I want to have you on again. You're really great at this. You've been, I mean, you carry the passion of an oppressed people. Very happy. The, the person you were listening to is Michelle Shahada, who is the coordinator of the Free Democratic Palestine Movement. And Michelle, I want you to know that the next guest we're going to have, Cheyenne Antonio, is doing work around the murder of indigenous women. And I'm sure she'll have some thoughts on Palestine as well. We're going to have you back on Voices very soon. It's great to listen to you. I, I learn when you talk. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. You know, we'll do it again, I promise. So, folks... That um, sounds good to me. All right. It's a deal. And you know I keep my promises. Yeah. You if know, I can say one short thing before sure. I leave. Yes. Because if you're next guest, and I, I just was talking to to uh, you know some uninformed American and I was trying to explain <laughs> the situation in Palestine and I said the Palestinians is exactly like the Native Americans how in the, in the movies and how Native Americans have been portrayed as being the terrorists of being the barbarians and that the armed settlers are being portrayed as the victims the same situation goes for the Palestinian now and our native uh, American friends and allies, uh, uh, they know what the Palestinians are talking about. Take good care of yourself. That's a good way to end. That's great. All right, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Cheyenne, are you on the phone? Um, we're we're going to play some music just to clear our heads a little bit as we move to to you know, I mean. 818-985-5735. You know, the only sentence I want to say is the only thing I really think about all the time is genocide. Uh, it's a hard thing to think about, but that's what the United States is. That's what the United States does. I work in South Central. I see the genocide every day against black people. I study about the Palestinian struggle, the native struggle as much as I can. So we're very happy to have Michelle Shahada on, who, you know, raised my consciousness quite a bit. And we're going to take a break, and then we'll be on with Cheyenne Antonio. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can comprehend. You know we've got to find a Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see 
So everybody, um, this is heavy-duty morning radio. This is Eric Mann in studio with Channing Martinez. We're both uh, co-directors of the Labor Community Strategy Center. Um, we're both third-world internationalists, and very happy to have Cheyenne Antonio on the phone with us. How you doing, Cheyenne? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound good. You know, um, tell us and uh, tell us more. But tell, I know you're doing work around the violence against Native American women. I know you're also doing work yeah. on right. Yeah, yeah. And you're also doing work on fracking inside the Navajo land. Um, two things I just wanted to say, and then welcome, 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 and we'll keep you know talking. When I was a kid, my mom took me to the RKO Kenmore. We we watched, I'm embarrassed to say, cowboys and Indian movies. And every movie began with the indigenous people attacking the white people. And then, of course, the rest of the movie was genocide, you know, because they were provoked. So we live in a, in a system that perpetuates genocide. What's it like waking up every morning and having to deal with it? It's exhausting <laughs> yes. every day. Um, I'd have to find the energy to, you know, just the energy um, to really um, help our relatives, our community um, within and surrounding the Navajo Nation because a lot of our people uh, do live in border towns such as Albuquerque, you know, Phoenix, Gallup. Um, all in all, like we do have even a lot of Diné people in LA. <laughs> right. uh, we're everywhere, but really, you know, um, it seems like every day we're at war, we're at battle right. um, in in protecting our sovereignty um, and the rights to land um, to life. And really, for the sake of our languages and our culture, it, it's tiring every day. Um, there's a lot of um, organizers across the Southwest that are really trying to figure out how, uh, for one, to get organized and stand for our water and um, missing and murdered Indigenous relatives, whether that be through, um, you know, um, human trafficking, sex trafficking, um it's just really sad that our nation is still um, behind when we're trying to get forward um, and try to be ahead. But it's exhausting having to educate consistently um, and having to have those hard conversations with our relatives, right, in and out of the nation. But all in all, um, you know, we have the spirit of our ancestors, but also... Um, the resistance, <laughs> the spirit of resistance also um, in protecting our lives and for those have yet to come. So it's, it's every day, like, you know, uh, especially with our elders, right? We're a lot of our, our, our so the, in our Dinesh, uh ways, we are a matrilineal society. And so um, a lot of the, 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 the traditional leadership is in the hands of women. And so, of course, and 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 to the you know to this day we continue to see a lot of uh, 
men in positions and it's just exhausting. <laughs> We're exhausted. <laughs> well, the thing, you know, first of all, thank you for the work you do. And it's both exhausting and it's also so oppressive to be surrounded by a white settler state as you're trying to organize. It's, I know that um, my friend Manuel Criollo was telling me that in the border towns, there's also white vigilantes attacking indigenous people. So, um, you know, you suffer an exhaustion that, I mean, I get up every day, but I'm in a much uh, different situation than you. How do you, what are the forms of your spiritual, intellectual life? Your, you know, what keeps you going besides your love of the people and your hatred of the system? <laughs> Which is what we share. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I think why I continue to do this is really um, for my for my culture and my belief um, to live in, in in a way of free, right, and being free on our own homelands. I think that's what really keeps me going and motivated. Um, also, <laughs> um, having conversations with my elders, you know, I think I'm very blessed to continue to have elders um, who have also, you know, done this exhausting work, um, because it's definitely not new, but also, right, having to have that um, spirit of resistance and having to take care of ourselves first and foremost, because you're exactly right, like, there's a bunch of white uh, vigilantes within these border towns, and one in particular that the Red Nation um, has really been... Um, um, in the forefront of is demanding uh, a statue uh, to be removed and to stay, right, to stay uh, removed in Española um, for the um, Oñate statue there. Some white vigilantes wanted that reinstated. And of so, course. Um, Red, Nation, Red Nation, along with um, our sister um, orgs, such as like Three Sisters Collective, who are amazing Pueblo women um, who stood up with us for a prayer gathering. Um, and, you know, we had a, like a international gathering of different nations coming to this one place and demanding, you know, that we don't see a murderer being uh, reinstated. And so that's the first governor in New Mexico. And so, right. um, you know, we, we, we were met with violence, and so now, right, it, it, and it's just exhausting. Um, but also, at the end of the day, you know, we have to take care of each other and um, and, and demand the our allies to step it up to educate their people. Um, but it sucks because that's, you know, that's what we hope. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to have the spirit of our ancestors to really be consistent with our messaging, and that's exactly what Red Nation has done. Um, and I'm proud of all of our comrades um, for organizing and, and keeping up with it because, you know, now we have the Palestinian um, the Pal Palestinian uprising and having, you know, having those conversations again with colonized people of America. Like, it's, const it's constantly going, and it's, you know, I just can't wait for that flip to switch. <laughs> well... And, you know, like, you know, and so that I, I, I can't, yeah, I just can't wait for the, everyone's spirit of resistance to kind of wake up 
And I think that's slowly happening, but not fast enough. Well, Michelle Shahada said that, you know, the Palestinian people have now had four days of liberation, which is more than they've had in so long, and they keep fighting. Tell me a little bit of two things I wanted to ask you about. Is Red Nation, uh, where are your organizational landing? Red Nation, by the way, there's a phenomenal podcast uh, that I listen to, not enough, but I'm going to. We definitely have to get into Reservation uh, Dog before we leave. But tell us about, yes. got to do that. Maybe we'll start there for a little yeah. moment of, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little moment of. Let the of, cat out the bag. Let so. the cat out of the bag. <laughs> you know, when I was talking uh, to Cheyenne the other day, because I love the show. But I know, because I'm a Jew and a white person, that I don't, you know, I've been trained in the black movement to see every every little trick the system plays. And I didn't know what I'm supposed to think. I think I love it. <laughs> so I got Cheyenne. Uh, so why don't you tell us the cultural significance and what it does for you? And I think it is one thing that keeps you going. And let's talk about Graham Greene, too. Yeah, so the cultural significance of reservation dogs, um, it definitely hit my core, my, my spiritual core, because there's some things I did not want to think about, and it has brought up for me, um, but also the power of our elders and breaking our elders through, um, you know, rehab facilities, but it's so funny because in the episode, right, their elder just checks out <laughs> of the rehab facility rather than right. having to break them out. And, you know, those are definitely, you know, some core, like reservation dogs has shed light on our, like on our values and our core values as, as nations and as indigenous peoples of, you know, caring for our elders, but also having your friends. And sometimes your friends are your cousins, right? Your first cousins, um, and, and that's something that they've shed light on, but also, you know, the realities of suicide in Native communities and how rapid it is um, and the battles that our young people face, right, and continue to face because it's, it's, it's happening all across different reservations. And so for the school, for the, school, for the um, show to be named Reservation Dogs, you know, we have them everywhere um, uh, highlighting our youth and empowering our youth you know, to really live a life worth living, you know, and I think that's something that really stuck out to me because, you know, I've, I've, I've had to deal with losing relatives to suicide, you know, whether it's, you know, um, poisoning themselves with alcohol or, you know, just trying to struggle and so, um, are struggling, um, so, yeah, reservation dogs hit home and shedding light on our on our issues, our day to day, um, right? Our reality of of what it's like to be in this colonial system. Basically, what settler colonization does to you is all seen on like reservation dogs, like what it's like on the reservation. Um, that's our that's our um, you know that's our relationship there, and you see it well and. You know, a part of the, the episode, too, that I really like on the bright side of things is the relationship between the young people and the elders, right, um, and having to 
ask elders for help because they they needed that guidance of like culture and you know how to protect each other and even for that young the young one um, seeing spirits such as William Knifeman right <laughs> arriving on a horse and then finding out. He never went to battle. Right, right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the great one where they told the, they told the Spaniard, hey, there's gold there, there's gold there. And he says, okay, goodbye, goodbye. And the Spaniard goes off looking for gold. And just one more thing, the episode where, you know, because I didn't know there was a third episode and I was feeling, no, wait, this is not going to end that they're in L.A., is it? Oh, no, that's not a great ending. But then the next a season, the ant comes all the way out to find them and bring them back. Uh, to to so anyway, so much to talk about. Channing just had a couple of thoughts. Uh, uh, we both met at the uh, People's Forum. This is Channing Martinez, the co-director. Uh, yeah, well, you've been telling me about Reservation Dogs for quite some time, so now I'm convinced. I got to go see it and figure out where to find it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I think as I, I deeply appreciate what you're saying and the way that you phrased it, that you began by just recognizing that we are in a war. Um, and whether that had, whether that includes bullets flying or whether that includes actual massacre people, or even what you're describing is the, the drug war against indigenous people. Um, first of all, just appreciating the, that terminology that calling it what it is, that you are at war. Um, you know, our last guest, Michelle, was talking about his own solidarity with indigenous and recognizing that both what Eric just said, that they're enjoying four days of liberation. Imagine that, that so many generations of people have dreamed about this moment. And then he ended his conversation by saying, and... I just want to extend my own solidarity to the indigenous people in the United States and knowing that they would also, um, you know, they they know what it means that these last four days, they know what these last four days means. They know what it means to be at war with a nation that tries to turn uh, the tables and act as if that the oppressive nation is, you know, the the victim. And so... I hear that, and I, I wonder, how does that land for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Cheyenne, you're breaking up a little bit. Um, you, you're Can you hear me okay? Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Yes, go for it. Okay. Um, I guess what that means is really, like, the international solidarity, because... You know, as from as nations here in the United States, right? There's there is five hundred and like seventy nations right now mm-hmm. in the United States, and so um, we are our own nations, right? And I think what 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 solidarity would really look like as a goal is for all of us to be in solidarity with Palestine and to each of us you know, writing our own statements of being in solidarity with them, um, with Palestine, with Bolivia, with, you know, indigenous communities in Mexico, um, of breaking down that border that's south of New Mexico right now. You know, it was the liberation of four days, right? What would that look like in the U.S.? It would be defunding that damn wall, 
Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and breaking down that wall because we have indigenous people say people there too that are putting their lives on the line for crossing a border for the basic necessities you know humans need and deserve and so and it's the same on the navajo nation right like what what would liberation look like? Would it look like protecting our waters from Arizona stealing our water every day? Would it look like, and how would that be, you know? Um, I think it's really our people um, being, you know, our people having goals and our people working together um, and having something similar to that because, you know, we need we need to organize together and, 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 and see what freedom means to us because, there's a lot of, you know, the imperialists are trying to define that for us right now. And it sucks because, you know, it's down to our money, too. And, it's, and it sucks that we're so tied to it because we have to pay taxes. And Native people pay taxes. That's unbelievable. <laughs> right. And, wow. yeah, Native people pay taxes. Um, and that there's a narrative out there that we get things for free. No, we don't. Like, those are treaty obligations. You know, each of those 500... 70 nations, we all have treaties signed with the United States. So the United States has a federal obligation to the First Nations of its people. And so um, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other um, nations that don't have that too, right? Such as the nations in California, right? There's, there's the public 280 states of where they're only federally recognized through the state. And so, um, so, so we have those, you know, unhealthy relationships with the imperialists, and it will always be unhealthy. Not that we want them; we were forced to have them. Um, but I think really true liberation would be, you know, uh, for, at least for those four days, is like the Diné people rising up to stand in solidarity with our indigenous peoples in Mexico, because we need to tear down that wall. But also, we need higher and stricter demands in protecting our water because we have a water. Um, we have a water war at our hands, and right now um, we have corporations, um, industry corporations um, that are trying, that are targeting Navajo Nation right now um, to have the the largest hydrogen pipeline, um, which is really disgusting that they would even you know give it that name already when it hasn't when it hasn't been approved. Um, and so they're trying to build a pipeline um, for. Been, um, from New Mexico to Arizona um, within the Navajo Nation, but just to give a context, it's about a 250 mile pipeline, right. and it's the first and it's the first of its kind. And so, really, right, I think the liberation of our people is really just being educated and organized and telling the imperialists no, because. You know, it's like an unhealthy relationship. How many unhealthy relationships do we have to be in to to understand our value and our worth? And it's hard to it's hard to find our worth when they're telling us to commit suicide. You know, yeah. just like reservation dogs, like that's the reality of our people. The reality the reality of today's society is just they're just trying to kill us. Yeah, so sorry and, if and I went, sorry if I. <clears throat> I mean, they are trying to. You know, one encouraging just, you know, we, um, I do a lot of work on history. And, um, you know, I'm sure you know that the, besides Standing Rock, which was amazing, was, of course, the Wounded Knee Occupation. And I was, I was not at it, but I was there. You know, there was a moment 
when the American Indian Movement, the Black Panther Party, the Young Lords, uh, the Brown Berets, the Chicanos were saying, we're not part of the United States, we want self-determination. The indigenous people were saying, we're not part of the United States, we want self-determination. Black people were saying, we're not part of the United States, <laughs> we want self-determination. All the white people go, well, if you take everything... There'll be nothing left for us. That's right. That's, That's exactly right. the concept. You got everything you have from everyone else. <laughs> That's right. So you got to give it back. <laughs> That's right. And at that moment, Cheyenne, there was so much hope. There really was. You know, and one nation indivisible is BS. So as you said, uh, I think it's hard, you know, to look at history. I think you, reading history is what I'm saying is a big source of strength to me. And, you know, indigenous resistance has been phenomenal. You know, I mean, uh, it's hard, like you said, that you live in an abusive relationship with your own, with the government that's occupying you. Uh, let me go to one question quick. We got about five minutes. I know that one of the things that goes on inside of indigenous communities, like when there's a pipeline, or when there's all this, extraction of indigenous lands is I'm sure there's certain forces that say, look, liberation's not possible. Let's be realistic. Uh, you young people, I get it, but I got to live in the real world. They're going to give us certain benefits in return for raping our land and our culture. How do you deal with that so-called realism, which is, you know, the subjugation of the mind by such an ugly system? Honestly, we, we, we show up with our elders and we show up with family members to shame the people that brought these industries in because they deserve to be shamed. <laughs> like that's right. the best tactic of shame <laughs> as, uh, as a, you know, as a nation, because again, like these unhealthy relationships, there's got to be a time we say no. Like, I don't think we're, we don't say no anymore, you know? Right. Consensually, like, sometimes we do say no, but on paper, like, you know, all of these, it's hard because then they'll start, they'll start making it, as they say, that they'll start making it civil to where we have tribal consultation and hearing sessions. But regardless, if we attend those, they're still going to drill. Right. So that's why we've we've turned to, you know, talking to their relatives, talking to their grandmother, like really getting into the community and telling them, like, why would that, like, why? Like, they haven't followed um, protocols. They haven't really followed our fundamental laws. Like, we have our own laws um, that our people don't really abide by because we're so colonized. Um and that's the sad reality, but I think what makes it worth it, again, is just that spirit of resistance and having our prayers close to us and having, you know, the thought of, you know, the thought of, um, how would you say it? Like having, having, having a, po not, not, not positive, but having a benefit of the doubt of, of working with our own people and trying to see how we can move together in, in resisting a pipeline because, you know, when we went to New York City for the climate, the climate march, right. we were outside Black, Blackstone um, yeah. Investment Corporation, right. and they're the ones that are investing in that pipeline. 
And so we took our grandmother there, and she was outside yelling to the <laughs> to the to the whole industry, saying, "Come out here so we can kick your ass!" <laughs> like that's what we're, you know, that's that's the spirit there is, or the spirit of our grandmothers because they've been saying no for their whole lives. They've been saying no. Because they want to live a peaceful life on their own land. Shane, let me do one more thing. Because I want to make sure I get you one more question. you got about three minutes. So the amazing voice you're hearing is Cheyenne Antonio. Do you identify with the Red Nation as one of the groups you're in? Yes. Cool. I think the Red Nation is doing some of the most amazing political education. Why don't you tell us about the Red Nation podcast and... What does the Red Nation mean to you? You got about two minutes. I'm sorry, and we'll, we'll have you back too. I just keep getting all these great people You're back. Good. You're so, good. So the Red Nation is an Indigenous liberation organization. We are Indigenous feminists um, who love to teach, who love to organize, and who love our people. Um, we invite you to listen to our podcast. Uh, we also invite you to watch Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Right. Um, and then the reason why I joined and why I'm so involved is because of the spirit of our ancestors and the 500 years of resistance. Um, I was an, I've been an organizer with the Red Nation since 2015. Wow. Um, and so, um, oh my God, that's been a while. And so, like, <laughs> I've helped abolish the seal. I've helped abolish Columbus Day yes. in New Mexico. <laughs> and now House of Representatives just want to take on that, like, just take on that. I guess they did something. Um, but all in all, you know, uh, Red Nation is here to organize and here to stay. And so um, you'll learn a lot from our podcast. If there's any suggestions y'all have, just let us know. Um, and we look forward to being back. Hey, you'll definitely be back. That amazing voice is Cheyenne Antonio. And between her and Michelle Shahada, if you don't want to overthrow U.S. imperialism by now, you got a problem. So this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines. And Cheyenne, thank you so much for being with us. This Channing Martinez is going to get the last word. So a couple of things. 818-985-5735. Um, Give some money, you know. I mean, I've been so lost in the positive way inside the Palestinian people and the indigenous people, the Dine people, that you almost forget I'm on a radio show, which is what you're supposed to do. But the radio show needs money. Channing and I do this for, you know, we have jobs, we're lucky, and we don't, we're just volunteers here. But there's a few human beings left who are trying to run this place, like Gary Baca, who comes in, every morning, and seriously, and, and the station needs money, bad, 818-985-5735. We'll see you next Tuesday at 8. Channing Martinez, what do you have to say? Sure, 818-985-5735. As always, as in the name, we woke up with revolution. Everyone else wakes up with their values, and it's time for us to wake up with revolution. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to www.voicesfromthefrontlines.com or search our name on any podcast platform that you are currently using. We are on it. And if we are not, then you can send me an email and we will be on it. We want to hear from you. You can download our app on our website. And like Eric said, we'll see you next week. All power to the people. Well, I- 
Love!